The grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. And especially if you're visiting here today, we're so glad that you are with us. There is a friendship pad on each pew that's near the center aisle. And we'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here with us worshiping today, whether you're a regular or whether this is even your first time we're here with us today. The announcements about our church life are in the bulletin and the connections. You'll see that one of the things that's happening this week is on Thursday we will be participating in the art walk in our parlor. Some of the artists in our congregation will be part of that. So stop by the parlor on Thursday night as part of Art Walk and see what we've got going on over there. We do participate in the Art Walk during the summer when there's a lot of crowd in town. Also, you'll see that Third Friday is going to be having an evening of classic jazz, which is going to be September 18th. It's a potluck dinner and a jazz concert, so you can sign up today on the patio for what you're going to bring to that for food. And there is no charge other than that. There are also a bunch of Bible studies that are beginning for the fall, and those are signing up on the patio today, too. There will be a group on Sunday morning and also a group on Tuesday night that will be talking about the same content as the Sermon of the Week. We will be looking at parables in Matthew 13 this fall. And so you can have a chance to discuss at either of those times. And there's a women's group that will be meeting on Wednesday mornings discussing the book, Enjoying the Presence of God. If you think you might want to be in that group, you can get a book today. And that group is starting quite soon. It starts on September 9th. So next Sunday is about the last time to sign up for that. Also, this is the week that choir and bells groups start. Choir rehearsal is Thursday night. They will be back here next Sunday morning. And our bells have their first rehearsal on next Sunday. If you have never been in those groups, you are very welcome to join. These are not closed groups. Linda White is waving at you there. And she would be very happy to have you join those groups um, and come and see what it's about. So Thursday night for choir and next Sunday noon for, um, uh, for the bells group. Well, we have a, uh, not only do we have a guest musician, Jinko Chang, today, but we also have a guest visit from the Reverend Dr. Jerry Tankersley. So. <laughs> I have been demoted to a visitor. I can see that. <laughs> the boss is back. So. Oh, I, I, uh, this is the, the end of my vacation, but I wanted to be here today, especially I know that this is the, the 100th anniversary of the dedication of the little brown church that was on this corner that represented the beginnings of Laguna Presbyterian Church. And uh, we give thanks for that long history, and we're looking forward to the official uh, 100th anniversary of our church in 1917. Uh, well, beginning in 1970, 17, but 2017, hard to believe, you know. Sometimes I think I've been around for a hundred years. <laughs> anyway, but the more important reason for me was that uh, Beth Penny spoke about today as the dog days of summer. And I just want you to know this is not the dog days of the summer. This is not the leftovers uh, in, in the preaching uh, ministry of the church. We are, we are blessed with having Beth Penny a part of our congregation for the past 30 years. We have seen her from her early post-year, uh, college years, grow up, 
become a part of this congregation, grow in ministry, discover her gifts, use them. And while we have blessed her, I'm sure of that, uh, Beth, you have blessed us in every way. And we are so grateful to you. And I'm grateful that I can be here this morning to make faces at you like you make at me. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Living Lord, we thank you for this Sunday. For the memories that it inspires, for our shared journey together, for all the people who have made up this great congregation from across the years and have helped make it what it is today. We stand on many shoulders and we give you thanks for all the wonderful gifts that you have used and inspired to build your kingdom in and through this congregation. Now as we do in fact close out this summer, we look forward to the coming fall and to the opportunities to proclaim, to learn, and to live your word. Bless us this morning. Bring inspiration to the preacher and to the musicians and to all of us together as we form the great choir of the kingdom of God. May you be honored and praised and glorified, we ask in your name. Amen. Let's come together and join in our call to worship from Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. One generation shall lord your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness, and they shall sing aloud of your righteousness. All your works shall be thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. Let's stand and praise and worship our God in singing.
Our Lord Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Bye. 
And so we do lay our lives before the Lord in prayer. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. And hear us as we lay our prayers before you in silence. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, the good news is through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. <clears throat> Amen. Well, what a treat to have Junko and to have Dan and Craig Williams and Linda, all of you, Jeff and Andrea and Thor, Vicki. What a, what a wonderful treat uh, to be able to sit here and worship and to look out and to see you. In the Bible studies this week, I don't know about you, but my, I'm drinking a lot of water lately. Um, in the Bible studies this week, I talked a little bit about uh, Reverend Pruitt, who was kind of fresh out of seminary, and um, he invited, wrote in the paper in the register on the 16th of uh, June, I believe, 1916, that you were welcome to Laguna Chapel to come as you are. And if, and if that meant that you needed to come in your bathing suit, you were more than welcome to come in your bathing suit and then um, go to the beach. And I thought, well, how, how amazing would it be today if the Reverend Pruitt were to walk in here and to see the Little Brown Chapel is this sanctuary, and to see all of you here this morning, dressed so nicely, I might add, um, and uh, worshiping God is just such a treat. Um, it is hard to believe that it's been 30 years this summer for me that I started coming here. I was two years old, so <laughs> you put that together. Uh, but will you pray, for, pray with me? Blessed are you, God of all creation. You spoke in the beginning, and all things came to be. You spoke, and your word came to live with us, full of grace and truth. Bless this place, 
where we would hear your voice. Bless this place where we would hear your story. As we listen, may our ears be attuned to you. As the word is spoken, may you speak to us that we may follow you, O Lord and Christ, more closely. We ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the lover and the keeper of our souls. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, Anne Herzog, who's our preschool director, showed me a photo that she had taken while she was stopped at a red light. She happened to notice the license plate holder on the car in front of her. And uh, she said, I took this photo because it just made me so mad. I was thankful that you'd preached on anger uh, last week, Mike. And, and she said, and I could see she was still really mad. So I looked at this photo and I happened to notice that the photo was the same, the car was the same make, the same model, and the same color as my car. It was a Honda Fit, but it wasn't me. Okay, so here is what the plate holder said. God loves you. And on the bottom it said, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> and I said to Anne, I said, man, I can see that you are really upset. And if you ask her about it, she's probably still going to be upset. But I said, this is a perfect illustration for the parable that I've been working on to preach on the 30th. I said, so I want to thank you for sharing this with me. I don't think that made her feel any better at all. But, but here's the question. Does God have favorites? Does God love you and does God love me? But does he love that person in the Honda Fit that Anne saw the most? Is that person God's favorite? Well, Jesus addresses this very question for us this morning by way of a parable. And Matthew, in his gospel, tells us that Jesus taught everything to his disciples by way of parable. I thought about this. Well, what is it about a parable that makes it so useful to Jesus? Well, a parable places one thing alongside another. It, it's a way of expressing, using common ordinary symbols to express an invisible spiritual reality. The kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus taught using parables because, number one, parables are easy to remember. And number two, they are engaging. They invite us into the story. We're, we're caused to ask, well, wait a minute, is Jesus talking about me? And, and then, thirdly, it stirs up our affections. See, because then we say, well, if Jesus is talking about me, what does he mean by this? I'm not really sure I like this. And so we wrestle with the implications of it. So, fourthly, they hold our attention. And then finally, they preserve truth. A parable uses common, everyday, ordinary symbols to tell us about an invisible spiritual reality. And I thought about this. The table, the cup, and the bread, those are common, everyday, ordinary symbols. They express a spiritual reality, an invisible spiritual reality. What is that reality? That Christ is with us in the breaking of the bread. He has broken himself for our sins. He has poured out his blood for us. In, in baptism, this common, ordinary water, 
I'm going to get out my hand all wet. That's going to be a problem. But this, this water, this ordinary symbol, expresses an invisible spiritual reality, baptism, that you and I have gone into the waters and we've been raised up in Christ. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And so that's easy for us to remember. But those are spiritual realities that we can't see, but we believe by faith. And the word parable in Greek, it's an interesting word, and I'll share it with you. It's a compound word, parabolo. Para means beside, and balo means to throw. That's where we get the word ball from. And so Jesus tosses these narratives out to us. And he wants us to engage in the story. He wants us to reach out our hands and catch it. And then hold it and wonder what this means. And then continue to teach it. But I do have a warning before I read the parable. Parables rarely provide closure. We're invited into the parable to allow it to transform us in some way. So as you hear this parable this morning, take special note of the way that Jesus begins. Take special note of the characters in the story. Take special note of how you feel as the story is read. And more importantly, listen for how the parable ends. So Matthew 20, it's found on page 21 in the New Testament portion of the Repeal Bible, and I encourage you to to pull that out and just have it out even through the sermon. Bottom of page 21, Matthew 20, beginning at verse 1 through 16. Hear the parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers to work in the vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them out into his vineyard. And when he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And he went out again at about noon and at about three o'clock and did the same. And then at about five o'clock, he went out and he found others standing around and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Now when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And now when those hired at about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. And now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last, they worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Jesus says to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose 
with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am so generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's unsettling. I read this to my mom, and my mom's response was, and she's going to be hearing this, it's truly her response was, that's not fair. <laughs> what is Jesus' point in this parable? Why is he telling this parable? Well, Jesus is seeking to illustrate for us the invisible now and not yet reality of the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a dramatically unsettling parable. In God's kingdom, the last are equal to the first. And to understand why Jesus tells this parable, you keep your Bibles open, you have to go back just a little bit further to understand what happened just before this. There was an incident between a young man and Jesus. And in short, I'll summarize it for you, but it's in Matthew 19. Someone, we're told, comes to Jesus and says to him, Teacher, Notice the address is neither Lord nor Rabbi. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. And now... He says, well, I've kept all the commandments. Which ones are the most important, basically? And Jesus quotes, skips over the first four and quotes the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and fifth. And all of them have to do with love of neighbor, which is very interesting. And when Jesus tells him to go and sell all he has and come and follow, give the money to the poor, we're told that this young man had many possessions. He was very rich. He turns and he walks away, grieving, because he has so much. Now, I'm sure the rich young man, we'll call him that, was thinking, that is not fair. You see, I thought this guy Jesus was a good teacher. I thought he had the right answers. Surely he must be mistaken. The rich young man has observed all the rules. He must be God's favorite. How lucky is God? How blessed to have this man but the rich young man walks away at the call of Jesus to truly love his neighbor as much as he loves himself. Jesus implies that this young man's wealth is leading him to death. The disciples are shocked. I mean, what's going to happen to the rich young man? Will he not have eternal life? And Peter, now you've got to love Peter for this. Peter jumps right in and says, Whoa, Jesus, look, we've left everything to follow you, what will we have? And Jesus says to you and to me and to Peter, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But the many who are first will be last and the last will be first, Jesus concludes. 
Now here I think Jesus just takes pity on them and takes pity on us. How will Jesus help us to understand the depth of the scandalous nature of God's economy, of God's grace? Eternal life is not something you get more of. It's not something that's prorated. You don't get eternal life premium plus. God's grace is not the sort of thing you get to bargain with or try to store up by working harder. How will they and how will we understand this new creation? God's righteous kingdom, God's holy economy. Of course, by parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. They agree on a daily wage. The landowner is God. The daily wage is no wage at all. It's a promise. The promise represents eternal life. God is a covenant God. God makes a covenant promise. The 6 a.m. laborers are the people of Israel. Notice that our God is always at work. He's going out at noon, at 9, he's going out at noon, he's going out again at 3, and yes, even at 5 p.m., the 11th hour. And he welcomes those whom no one has hired to go and do his work in the vineyard. And they go. What did they expect to be paid? Probably not much. The workday ends in one hour. And then Jesus comes to the very heart of that parable. It's the point at which Jesus wants us to understand what he's trying to get us to understand, the invisible truth, the invisible spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that has been brought to us by Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. At the sixth hour, it's the hour before darkness. The landowner has his managers call the laborers and instructs them to give them their pay, but beginning with the last and going to the first. And can you imagine what those hired at 5 p.m. must have thought when they come and they receive the usual daily wage? They must have thought this is the most eccentric landowner we have ever met. What immense joy. What security they must have felt. What the master was doing was simply incomprehensible, church. I bet there was a big celebration that night. Amen. Amen. Now, can you imagine what those hired at 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. or even noon were thinking? The 6 a.m. folks, you can just imagine, they're doing the prorating calculations. Oh my gosh, prorated 11 hours. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot. Think about their excitement. You know, it's going to be a whole lot of money. For they reasoned, Jesus said, or figured by law, they should now receive more. But, and it's a big but in the parable, each of them received the usual daily wage. Notice what they do. They grumble. That is never a good word in the scriptures, folks. <laughs> never. It's the word murmur. Remember those Israelites wandering around for 40 years? Never a good word. 
They grumble and murmur in low tones against the landowner, who is God. With discontentment, they say, Ah, these 5 p.m. folks, you're going to make them equal to us who've worked all day long, who've borne the burden of the entire day under the scorching sun. How would you respond? The landowner, who is God, says, friend. Now here Jesus uses a family term. It's the word clansman. It's a beautiful word. My brother, my tribe, my tribesman. I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Brother, clansman, take what belongs to you and go, for I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am so generous? So the last will be as the first, and the first shall be as the last. It's a beautiful parable. Is God not allowed to do what he chooses with what belongs to him? I confess that I have been engaged by this parable, and it has worked like open-heart surgery on me all week long. I have never wrestled with putting together a sermon as much as I have wrestled with this one. Because, you see, if I'm honest with myself, it's not only that I want and need to be loved, but I do want God's preferential love. I want to be loved above all others. I want to be God's favorite. And if you read ahead in Matthew, you'll find out that this was a big problem for the disciples on the road ahead. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit at your right and who's going to sit at your left? And poor Jesus, you know, he's probably going to have to tell this parable over and over and over and over again. <laughs> but this parable really lays bare my exclusivity and my selfishness in the light of God's scandalous grace. That even though I may say I only want to get what I deserve... If I'm honest, I'll admit that I think I actually deserve more. Those of you who know me know that this is true. And those who haven't worked as hard as me actually deserve much less. You're laughing. This is not good. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I started thinking about it even more. And this got me. Does the criminal who cries out on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Deserve what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, today, 
you will be with me in paradise. Wow. The church in every age, brothers and sisters, has had to struggle with this, and we do too. It's the notion of merit or deserved reward and God's gracious favor towards those that we may see or view as less than or even view as the 11th hour laborers. Those for whom God's grace seems a bit, well, undeserved, if we're completely honest. I love what N.T. Wright says about this parable. He writes, God has no inner circle. God is out in the marketplace looking for the people everybody else tried to ignore, welcoming them in on the same terms, surprising them and everybody else with his generous grace. Surprising them, surprising you, surprising me with his generous grace. And that just about says it all. This parable reminded me of something that happened to me in my childhood, and this has been a part of my wrestling all week, and I'm going to close with this story. I've been wrestling with this story for a long time. It's a modern-day version of this parable. When I was about seven or eight, my brothers and I would spend our weekends with my grandma. And my grandma was the proud owner of Eldora's Beauty Salon. That was her name. My grandma grew up in the Depression. She was one of 12 or 13 children. She had a really hard life. She's now listening this morning. Well, Graham would put us to work cleaning her shop. You can imagine what that must have been like every Saturday afternoon. Now, seriously, we didn't love cleaning, but we loved being with Graham. And we really loved the reward she had for us. She would give us points for chores during our stay with her. And whoever had the most points at the end of the weekend would get to pick out one toy from our favorite toy store. It was great. And so, we, so I would kind of sneak into the bedroom, and I would look at the chalkboard over the weekend. And so I might have eight points. And my brother Bob, who was two and a half years older than me, he might have 10 points. And my, I, I kind of thought about it. I talked to my mom about this yesterday. I think my brother was actually, Bob, he was sneaky. I think he was actually going in there and kind of giving himself more points. <laughs> but I, I'd have to, he's listening to this too. I'd have, you know, he'll have to tell me later. But, um, and my younger brother, Bill, who was three years younger than me and six years younger than Bob, would have maybe, you know, seven points. But a strange thing would happen by the end of the weekend. You can imagine what I'm going to say. It just so happened at the end of the weekend, we all had the same number of points. <laughs> the reward? One toy from our favorite toy store. Now, of course, my youngest brother couldn't do the same amount of work as his brother, who was six years older. It took me years to figure this out, folks. My grandma was doing the very same thing as the master in the vineyard. She was being graciously eccentric and scandalous in her point giving while being faithful to her promise. Her point system was not fair from my perspective. 
I wanted to be the highest point earner, the winner. And if you know me, you know that's true. I'm very competitive. And I insulted my little brother because Billy wasn't worthy of those same points. He wasn't working as hard as I was. But those points were her gift of love. Even the points she gave to me were based on her love. Wow. I'm so thankful that my grandma modeled the amazing grace of the master of the vineyard. You see, church, God has no inner circle. God is out in the marketplace looking for the everybody that everybody is ignoring. He's welcoming them on the same terms, surprising them and everyone else with his generous grace. It's not fair. Thank God. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The last shall be as the first, and the first shall be as the last. Grace upon the 6 a.m., grace upon the 9 and the 12 and the 3 p.m., and grace upon the prodigal son, grace upon the thief on the cross, grace to me, grace to you who come trailing in at 5 p.m. So God calls us, church, be generous. Love one another deeply and from the heart. Don't lord it over each other, for the grace of God has been given to you as a gift. Freely, he calls us to give, because we have received freely. Love with the lavish love, church, of Jesus Christ. Love with the grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome, welcome one another. Welcome the 5 p.m. laborer in the field who you might think, I don't know about this person. How can God possibly be calling them? Because God is in the marketplace looking and searching. That's the kind of God we serve. Amazing grace, church, how sweet the sound. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Yeah, thank you, God. Father, we are applauding for you because you are so good. How great you are, oh God. Thank you so much for your grace in my life because you called me to this place. And the person I was at 22 when I walked through these doors I'm not that same person today. You have called me into life. You have called me into service by humbleness. And every gift that we have and every gift that I may have, may it be for your glory. May it be for your honor, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen. Church, let us give our tithes and offerings. Be generous, for God has been gracious and generous with you. Amen.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and gracious God, we pray for the faithful all over the world, that all who love you may be united in your service. We pray that the peoples and leaders of the nations, that they may be reconciled one to another in pursuit of justice and peace, that they may know the hope of your faithfulness through the help of others. We pray for your whole creation, which longs for its redemption. We pray for all who suffer the pain of sickness, loneliness, fear, or loss, that those whose names are in your hearts, in the hearts of others, or known to you alone, may receive strength and courage. Gracious God, we give you our best, lest in gaining the world we lose life itself. As a covenant people, we seek to witness to you, to your will and way. Help us to know you more clearly, know more clearly what you would have us do with the wealth entrusted to our care. As we contribute to the needs of your people, we present ourselves as living sacrifices for the service of your kingdom, serving Jesus Christ, your son, our only savior, who has taught us to pray by saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy, and thy will, will be, be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
grace, church, how sweet the sound that saved a 5 p.m. laborer like me. <laughs> I'm so thankful to be a part of this congregation, to call you friend, and to call him Lord. Church, go out into the world, into the marketplace with God. Go to love and serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. For the kingdom of heaven is like this. The last shall be as the first, and the first shall be as the last. Amen. Amen. Thank you.